0: Have you ever wondered what the Disc Golf Pro Tour is? In this episode, we bring on Sean Jack from the Disc Golf Pro Tour, the VP of Partnerships, and he shares with us what exactly the Disc Golf Pro Tour is and how it operates. He shares with us the biggest challenges and opportunities facing the Disc Golf Pro Tour, as well as giving us a little look behind the curtain into what is the five-year plan for the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Not only do we learn those things, we also learn some knowledge that that has not been shared before some exclusive knowledge is shared in this episode you're gonna have to stay tuned throughout the entire episode to find out just what it is but let's get to the juicy stuff let's get Sean on the podcast right now
1: hi my name is Sean Jack I'm the VP of partnerships for the disc golf pro tour and you are listening to the chain clankers podcast
0: Welcome in everybody to the Chain Clankers Disc Golf Podcast presented by Upper Park Disc Golf. Super excited for today's show. And if you're excited to get a new disc golf bag for you or somebody you know this holiday season, make sure you use promo code CLANKERS10 to get some of the best bags in the business right now. Cannot say enough good things about Upper Park Disc Golf. But today, we are super excited to bring on Sean Jack. As you heard in the intro, he is the VP of... Of partnership building in the disc golf pro tour, manages all the tour's major partnerships as well as the ad space on the disc golf network. The current TD for the OTB Open, formerly known as the San Francisco Open, and will be helping an assistant TDing the 2023 World Championship. Sean, what else am I missing from this list of accolades that I should be adding to my list here? How are we doing tonight, man?
1: I am fantastic. I'm really excited to be here. I'm also a proud Upper Park Rebel-carrying disc golfer. I have the DGBT-branded version, and uh, I love Martin over there. And I'm uh, I'm stoked to be here. I'm really excited.
0: Yeah, and so you know, I think a lot of our newer listeners here on the podcast probably right now are like, "What is the disc golf pro tour?" I know when I first got into disc golf, I figured there was probably some sort of a pro scene. Just being a sports guy, right, and saying these names on discs, is like, okay, there's got to be who is this Paul Macbeth looking guy? Is he good at disc golf? Like, does he own the company? Like, what's going on here? You know what I'm saying? So, so let's just kind of start here, Sean. You know, first, how did you? Kind of get into disc golf, and then we'll kind of explore how you got involved with the disc golf pro tour and what it is. Yeah, sure. So uh, I grew up in Massachusetts, and
1: I was living just south of Boston. Um, it was a very avid runner. Um, I've got a handful of marathons under my belt, and trail running was like my church back then. Uh, so I think you know all disc golfers are outdoorsmen. We all love being in the woods. And one day I was on a run at uh, a place called Borderland State Park. It's about 45 minutes south of Boston. And I heard the imitable sound of the chains. I sort of heard of disc golf, but not really like I, in hindsight, I think I saw a couple discs like five years before that, but never really saw a basket, never saw it in the wilds and didn't think much of it. Continued on my run the next, uh, like a week later, I went out to the same park. I was, I had, you know, I had my iPod on, I'm ready to go for like a six to 10 mile trail run. And I see a guy walking out to the course with a bag on and I see the disc in his bag. And uh, I'm not an introvert. So I immediately just started peppering him with questions. Like, what are you doing? What is the sport? And he just stops me and goes, hey, uh, this is why I love our game so much. He goes, do you want to play with me? And I ripped off my, I changed my clothes and I said, yes. And he gave me, (sighs) I think it was just a shark and I don't remember what the putter was but the shark I I was pretty good at throwing frisbees my whole life I played a little bit of ultimate played a lot of catch it was just always had uh, an ultra star in our car and um I beat him <laughs> like the first wow yeah in hindsight in hindsight he's probably like a mid 700 rated golfer and I I cheated too like I, I remember I threw behind a tree and I like I stepped out six feet because I didn't want to like you know be obstructed and he was like, "Hey, you can't do that, but it's fine for the first time." And man, I got I got hooked quickly, like a lot of us do. Where I started playing three, four times a week. Um, I was a field sales guy at the time, where my territory was like all of Rhode Island, Connecticut, in, in southeastern Massachusetts. And this is back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, where there were only three thousand courses in the country. Now there are ten thousand. And so at the time there was, you know, just a handful of courses, but I would plan my sales calls to end like at three, four o'clock so I could play the course, including the world famous Maple Hill that was in my territory. So I, uh, it goes back to then I played tournaments immediately. I got my PDG number quickly. Uh, I, I signed up for this tournament at Maple Hill called the Vibram open and said, sure, I'll give it a whirl. And I cashed. (laughs) <laughs> like, it was crazy um i'm actually mad i i took the money which was like only 225 bucks but at the time i thought that was crazy because i could never play the world championship like am worlds or any sort of major at the time but it um that's my disc golf journey i never looked back and i i kind of was an organizer and promoter my whole life you know even going back to high school so i cut the running doubles and leagues and just kind of graduated to where i am today Man, that is
2: uh, that's a great story. I've heard a few people talk about just being in the park, seeing or hearing chains, or seeing a frisbee fly, and the similar kind of conversation. So let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit. Now you are um, VP of relations, Part- right? Partners- Partnerships. Partnerships. Just so
1: you the know, the that's a words. fancy title for like sales guy. Yeah, I'm the VP sales of guy. sales for the tour. VP of yeah. sales.
2: Okay. Okay, but before we get into all of that, you also TD, so let's talk about a little, you talked a little bit about leagues and all that, kind of where did you go from the beginner to playing tournaments to now you are running leagues and before you get into this current role?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, It started as simple, when I moved to San Francisco, I showed up to Tuesday Doubles, whoever was supposed to run it didn't show up that day, I said I'll do it uh quickly helped out running our weekly leagues and like we have a big club with over 500 members our weekly turns out over 100 players our doubles has 40 to 50 so it's like even running a weekly or mini that some people call it is like running like almost a full c tier uh so that was really helpful and then fast forward probably three or four years uh, in 2012 uh, the San Francisco Safari, which is our flagship event here, uh, didn't have a tournament director and I raised my hand, uh, and, and kind of took that event from a two-day B tier and now it's a three-day A tier and just kind of kept working on it. I, I really love running events. I, uh, I love providing experiences to people, like even going back to like when I was a bartender in my early twenties, like I love just being hospitable and, you know, an experience is something that you can give to someone that can change their life, right? And like, you know, people all the time saying like, TD's a thankless job." Like, it's not; it doesn't pay very well, but it's not thankless. Like, if you do a good job, people will let you know. And so, in two thousand, late two thousand fifteen, I was talking to Steve Dodge because at the time I was on Team Vibram, throwing rubber discs. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys know the history there, but he started he Vibram, the, you know, the soulmaker, maker did discs for eight years. And uh, he was asking me what I did for a living. And I was doing digital marketing sales and event sponsorships through a website in San Francisco. And he said, Hey, I got a job for you. And I started working for the tour in the first year, uh, just as a 1099 sales guy. Uh, And I know that you asked about being a TD and there's a transition here. In 2018, which was the third year of the tour, he asked me if I wanted to bring an event to the West Coast. At the same time, uh, in, in golden gate park, this golf course is not a course suitable for the best men and women in the world. It's, you know, it's a, I highly recommend you guys come out and play, but you know, it's five or 6,000 feet and doesn't have the resources that you need, but we were installing, uh, we were installing the second course in San Francisco at Glen Eagles golf course, which is a gated golf course. And we decided to design design that course for the best in the world, you know, at layouts, anywhere between eight and 10,000 feet, and then very quickly you know like with not much testing the pro tour came to san francisco in 2018 in may and uh, we did that in 2019 we got canceled in 2020 due to covid and honestly another opportunity opened up uh in stockton california which is about an hour and a half to two hours from here the city gave me money to come which was very different than san Francisco. like san francisco has the giants and the warriors like they don't we don't move the needle for them right we're too small and the PGA tour has been here like the PGA tour, not the PDGA tour, but Stockton is a city of like two hundred fifty thousand people. And they kind of swim in the space of having, they do really well with NCAA tournaments or minor league. They have minor league hockey, basketball, baseball. And so like we're, we're right in their sweet spot. They gave us some money, the golf course that we went over gave me a better price than I was getting in the city. And we decided to move. Uh, and that's why the O T B Open has been held there. We missed twenty in twenty one and twenty and two and we'll be returning to Swenson Park this year. So that's kind of my T D journey. Uh, you know, literally but it's for people out there, I literally started running doubles, you know, five dollar doubles and just, you know, keep progressing and learning more and asking a lot of questions and working with mentors. And now here I am running an event that has, you know, a well over a six figure budget with the purse of over a hundred thousand dollars and hundreds of volunteers and a core staff and a business partner, and it's awesome. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer
0: starts with the Fall Guy.
1: We're doing later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah.
0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie
1: critics say exists to make you happy.
2: Trying to make out? No, nope. because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters
1: May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
0: Yeah, that is absolutely crazy. And, and you know, if you're listening to this, and your goal and aspirations are to you know run some big time events i i think that is just inspiring as all be to to hear that right there and and i guess a question that kind of comes to my mind before we really dive into the pro tours what would you say like the biggest difference is between running the otb open for the pro tour compared to what you were running those a tiers in san francisco you know i imagine there's plenty but you know how would you be able to some summarize both of those events just one <laughs> uh
1: if it takes two that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess if I have to say just one it's scale, right? Because that kind of because then, you know, if I put scale at the top, then I can say like, you know, the safari's budget it's probably about $30,000 where the OTB's budget this year is going to be 150,000, like as far as money in money in and hopefully a little bit less than that money out. I'm not including the players entry fee because that's just a pass through. But just scale, like You know, the safari is running Golden Gate Park, which has no infrastructure. So like we have to bring in everything. Whereas, you know, the this and the parking is on the street. Whereas at Swenson, I have a fenced in golf course that can fit thousands of cars, 5000 plus spectators. Uh, The course is double in length. Um, There's water features, you know, there's bathrooms and there's a kitchen and a bar and a pro shop and the players can can stay there on site and park overnight. So like there's a lot of differences um but at the same time like the safari has like a storied history where the best, some of the best players in the world have won Ricky Wysocki has won the safari like um Sarah Hokum has won the safari James Proctor has won several times so it's Owen Scoggins recently won the safari last year so like we're still like a we're a good west coast A tier but just as far as the amount of hour I probably put in 100 hours for the safari and then 300 to 500 for the OTB open.
2: Yeah, that just consumes a little bit of time. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Labor of love. So, you said infrastructure obviously helps big time when you're selecting parks and um courses for tournaments. Or what is what is like the key, I don't know, three, four factors you guys are looking at when you are selecting um facilities or like facilities like a golf course or say public parks for pro tour tournaments.
1: That is such a poignant contemporary question for one. many, many arguments on social media, right? Is ideally, yes, every tournament would be at a beautiful wooded course and uh, we would have all the resources of a golf course in one, right? I think, you know, I think that's why Smuggler's Notch um, is such a good fit because you have the resources of a ski, ski resort, you know, so tons of hotels, bars and restaurants and uh, you know, there's a pro shop on site and a dedicated full-time outdoor staff that like works on the mountain and the course and two courses like uh, Fox run is kind of the the beautiful outdoor course with a lot of OB and then Brewster bridge is the heavily wooded course. So to be honest, I don't want to be on a golf. I don't want my tournament to be on a golf course. I would rather have it be on a, a, a dedicated disc golf course, but, and I see the comments on Facebook, like, you know, why is the only Pro Tour event in California on a golf course? I don't know where else to go. And, like, if anyone out there knows, you know, hit me up on social. My email is at seanatdgpt.com. I, like, I will love to bring the Pro Tour to a dedicated disc golf facility, but they're just – the tour has become such a behemoth now that it requires a lot of resources, and oftentimes that's golf courses. I think in a situation like the Preserve where Kale – is either leasing or bought a golf course and you can transition the whole property dedicated to disc golf. That's a really sweet spot. Um, the pro tour right now is actively looking to acquire 100 to a hundred, maybe one to 200 acres to actually build our own headquarters. And I think, you know, imagine a wooded course where we can carve out spectator areas and large trails. So like, which Eagles Crossing kind of did, right? Like they're, they're, we're getting there, but right now our sport is still so young, 40 years, 45 years old versus golf, 400 years old. And uh, we're just now getting like, you know, the capital in the sport where we can afford to do a project like that. Um, But yeah, personally, like I'd rather play at a wooded course, but you know, like the tour championship this year was at Nevin park in Charlotte, which was a wonderful, beautiful cathedral. And the leaves falling from the sky in October, it was great. But the on site spectator experience was not super awesome because it's in a wooded course and the fairways are tight and the gallery's deep. And, you know, it just wasn't a great fit. So someday someone's going to, and hopefully it's me, uh, will build, you know, the Shangri La Disc Golf Course. That is the, co- the sweet spot of the combination of both, where it has the resources, the power, the internet, the restaurants, the brewery, you know, the amphitheater. Uh, outdoor kitchen, all the things that you would get at a resort plus, you know, a badass track.
0: I mean, if that's the future of disc golf, you've got me pumped up, right? Yeah, sign me up, right? I think that's one of those things where as the sport grows and more people get into it, I feel like you've got nothing but challenges that lie in front of you because how do you build a course like that, right? For us, for Trenton and I who can't get to North Carolina, I can watch it on the the Disc Golf Network and be like, yeah, this course is great, but – then paying to go there and you barely are able to see anything and and maybe the wi-fi is not great there's nowhere to park like for me really my only complaint at worlds was wow parking was absolutely brutal but what did you expect you know i know emporia because we live an hour away so i i was able to go in there expecting bad parking so For me, there's two sides to this. One, I'm super excited for the direction the sport is going and B, I also see challenges that I'm glad that we've got smart people like yourself who are willing to take on and aren't just posting on Facebook, right? You know, we're we're actually thinking through these challenges and hopefully finding a solution. And, And so I guess a question I have off of that then, you know, Eagles Crossing, it's probably the darling of Facebook warriors right now in the disc golf community. Is there any thoughts of getting it on the pro tour like would it qualify as a course that could make the pro tour uh i have not
1: played it or been there yet i've only watched it as much as you guys probably have with skins matches um and a couple other like player uh blogs and i know it's you know herald is the greatest course potentially in the world i think it probably needs a little tightening up uh with not not making it more difficult when i say that just maybe a couple changes as far as the layout is concerned Uh, i don't know much about like the fpo layout and honestly that's a critical part of of us now is that you just can't throw the women on the men's course change the par and call it a day you have to design for FPO in mind uh it's one of the fastest growing segments that we have and they're a critical important part uh to our league um but yeah it uh here's the thing though It's All the things that I, like all those boxes that you have to check, like, it's not super close to anything, right? I think it's an hour or more outside of St. Louis, right? So like, when we want to bring one to 5,000 people on site, where are they going to stay, right? Um, the cell signal there is not good. And I know Philip Samuels is a man with many resources, so he can probably install a tower. But like, we were not able to help with the Big Money Skins match because there's no Wi-Fi. And at this point right now, DGN works on a bonded cellular signal. So we like, we source like Verizon, AT&T and Sprint all together. And if we can push, like, I think it's one megabyte, then we're fine. And that place is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Lastly, and I've heard it through the grapevine that uh, the owner uh, doesn't like his, his property is very special to him. It's sacred. And I appreciate that, but he doesn't want to have like advertising on it. So as the guy that sells all the ads for the tour and someone who who who, I'm certainly biased in this opinion, I think the advertising makes the courses look better. Like I, it frames the holes when you have, you know, feather flags behind the green. I actually think it looks, I think it pops more. I think it adds a, a professionalism, but I also get like, I watch golf. The Masters doesn't, you know, Augusta doesn't have any ads on it. I get that. Whereas the Travels Insurance Open is bonkers. So, He would have to somehow subsidize all the money that we make, right? By having the advertising on the course, the sell signal, the issue with like spectators. So I think even just because you spend one over a million dollars on a course, it doesn't automatically make it ready for the tour. Plus, like there typically is a ladder that you have to climb to get on the tour, like starting it with a C tier, then a B tier, then an A tier. And uh, I don't think they've even had like a regular big A tier event yet um so but at the same time like the course looks awesome looks super challenging and fun want to play it myself but definitely need to check some boxes before we can we can get out there
2: yeah, those all all that definitely makes a lot of sense and the uh the take on the advertisements I didn't I haven't heard that one about Eagles Crossing yet or the owner and that is interesting but that is like I would have to agree it definitely adds like a level of professionalism almost or like when people come in and see like I don't know I saw Johnsonville brought where it's like a little mat in front of the tee pad in a tournament and I'm like Man, we are. We are going somewhere, baby. And I got excited. So, I mean, I I definitely get – like, I get his side of it is sacred to him. But at the same time, like, for the growth of what all of us want it to become, that is a pivotal point and something that has to happen for it to
1: become even bigger and bigger. We need more non-endemic sponsors for more money to help the sport grow outside of just our own ecosystem. It makes me so happy, by the way. I'm going to – whenever this post – I'm going to scrape that clip of you saying the Johnsonville tunnel, that make you excited and send it off to their marketing officer. Yeah.
2: I saw that and I was like, yes, I think I
0: said something to you, Quentin. I was- you did. Yes, exactly. I remember we had a very distinct conversation about it because for us, like Trenton and I, right, we are, have been fans of other sports our entire lives. We found disc golf later into our lives and it, You want to bring some of those things over from other sports, right? And so when you see Johnsonville, Arby's, other companies coming in, it's like, oh, wow, if this company is willing to support what I'm into, I am going to go support that company, right? You know, Bushnell, um, all these other companies that come in. Yeah, Barbasol—that's the one. I didn't want to mess that up. I did. I I knew there was some kind of, but I didn't want to mess that one up. When those companies come in, you're more willing to go out and support them, which I hope the listeners of this podcast are willing to help us out when we talk about our sponsors, right? So, so it, it, it's it's one of those things where you're willing to go help them because you believe in the product. And I cannot say enough good things that I think the Pro Tour has done over the last couple of years. But that makes me want to bring up, you know, we're about 20 minutes in-ish now. I haven't asked the question yet. For those new folks who are still sitting here with us, what is the Disc Golf Pro Tour? Oh, sure.
1: Uh, So we're the world's premier professional disc golf tour. Uh, You know, if anyone out there follows sports, we're the PGA Tour for disc golf. Uh, granted, you know, they've been around for a lot longer than we do. And their budget probably has a few more zeros than ours. But, um, you know, we are in 2023, we will have 16 elite series or elite series plus or playoff events. All of those will have a, a purse from 80, at least 80,000 or more. Um, we also, the disc Golf pro tour also is a media company and. We own the media rights or buy the media rights to some of the PDJ events. So we own the media rights for the World Championships, um, the USWDDC, which is the Women's US Open and the Champions Cup. And then we also work with the European Open and the US uh, Disc Golf Championship to uh, own the media. So pretty much any professional disc golf events in the United States, uh, next year, we're going to have the Disc Mania Open in Canada, which I'm really excited about. That course looks breathtaking. Um, and then we also have our silver events, which are nine this year. So we, we are broadcasting f- it. I think it's 31 weekends next year for a total of like well over a hundred days. So more than like one third of the days, um, we, we strive to create a festival atmosphere. We have the biggest purses in history. Uh, we try to work with as many inside and outside the sport sponsors as possible. Uh, we donate money to, um, to youth education so we give money to universal play disc golf and the edge pro- we, we basically the community connect program is like our version of NBA cares so as we travel around the country uh we teach at schools near our tour stops you know it's only a matter of time until someone that was taught disc golf at their school fast forward five ten years is going to be on the pro tour and i can't wait to tell that story and that doc- that'll be a documentary right that we'll have on disc golf network uh, full circle I think that's it. That, did I answer the question enough? But yeah, basically PGA Tour, and like since we've been around, our growth has been exceptional. 2016 to now, we're going to go into our seventh or eighth year. Uh, you know, the disc golf network didn't exist. You know, the first year we had 15,000 subs. This year we had like 45,000. Um, I just saw some of our stats. We were able to reach 3.3 3 million people on YouTube this year. Like unique, unique not views, like unique. And uh, the growth has just been fantastic. And we hope to keep pushing the sport, growing the sport. Keep, uh, We want to increase our distribution. I'd love to see us more on uh, television. Even, you know, more. Maybe I, I'd love to see uh, the tour live on ESPN, right? Because mm-hmm. so far we've done like this: those lifestyle meet, struck, play like uh, summaries. But I'd love, even if it's just like the back nine holes at the World Championships in the final day. Because I think that would be exciting for the for people that are just clicking through it. It would be incredible, and this kind of—I mean—that was a
2: fantastic summary. And this kind of brings me up um, another thing that we wanted to talk about: It's kind of what are the the goals for like the the we, not necessarily the five year plan, but for a business side of things, what is like the five year plan for the Disc Golf Pro Tour? Hmm. I would
1: say within five years, we definitely want our headquarters. So um, imagine you know, one hundred and fifty to two hundred acres with. Two championship courses, a nine-hole pitch and putts, a pro shop, uh, our our studio, our booth, uh, and if you want to get really crazy, hookups for the players to live there in the off season, a training facility, a putting arena, an amphitheater, uh, lodging, you know yurts or cabins or tiny houses, you know disc, uh, you know Hall of Fame, disc golf Disneyland, you know. Um, I gonna say. Sounds like a yeah, theme park. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know it would. You know, we want to build a world class tourist destination. You know, that's also acts yeah, that's as our like bring people in. Um, like that's that's important to me. Like that's something uh, I've been working on in earnest for about a year, and we've got some good traction and leads. Um, so that's I would say very very important to us. Uh, obviously, continuing to grow the network subscriber base is you know, from a business standpoint is essential because it's recurring revenue that you can budget on. And the more subscribers you get, you know, the more me- revenue we make, the more we can hire, the more cameras we can purchase, the better cameras we can purchase, the more we can maybe invest in like having our own cell tower that we travel around the country with, you know, so build, just building that, uh, creating more content outside of stroke play coverage. So more on tour type docu docuseries, um, paying the players more, the players are our best resource. You know, if you haven't been to a pro tour event in person, seeing someone throw 500 or 600 or sometimes 700 foot with a roller is like seeing someone hit a home run 500 feet in a major league baseball game, right? It's just, or seeing someone dunk from the free throw line or seeing someone serve 140 miles an hour. Like when you see these things in person, they're shocking, right? Like, because most disc golfers throw... You know, decent like 350 to 400 feet the most, and like seeing someone throw 50% farther than that. Especially, I love seeing golfers. Like, we brought a bunch of the golfers into Glen Eagles at the San Francisco Open. And, you know, Eagle threw it over 600 feet, which is just about as far as some of the guys are hitting the golf ball. And it's just like, I just want to create like more holy smokes moments for on site spectators and people watching online to see how incredible these athletes really are, or to see Owen Scoggins putt. From, you know, as good as any of the men, it's and get it banging, you know, circle two putts constantly. And it's just, I don't know, man, I, I, I really am in love with the sport. Uh, I know I'm going to jump on my soapbox. I know disc golf can really help people because it's such an extraordinary source of community. Like half the people at my wedding were disc golfers. I moved to San Francisco. I instantly had a community here. And if the Pro Tour can help more people discover the game, to discover more of a community so, that, so everyone can be a part of something, it will help everyone.
0: I don't know, as a listener, how you are not fired up. By hearing <laughs> that, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm over I mean, like, I mean, honestly, right? Like how how are you not fired up to want to go out and play right now? How are you not fired up for the 2023 season to begin? How are you not fired up for what can happen over the next five years, right? Because something that is interesting to me is that everybody and their mom is talking about pickleball nowadays pickleball is the fastest growing sport in the u.s if we are bigger numbers, than they are it might be exactly every time somebody says that i'm like no you should check disc golf numbers on hold that, on guys. Can, can we talk just about pickleball they, for a second on, absolutely i'd love Do you to mind? sit on this subject
1: yeah, yeah yeah i follow emerging sports a lot right because it helps me just like who's signing different sponsorships i think their player base in the united states it may have beat us this year um and let's be honest like there are more tennis players than there are disc golfers. And there were more ping pong players than there are disc golfers. And there were, I don't know about badminton, but pickleball found a sweet spot between badminton, ping pong, and tennis. And tennis is a sport just like golf that is uh, hard to play, right? It takes oftentimes lessons and it's money, the time, uh, you know, in order to have fun in tennis, like you have to be okay at it. Pickleball solved all those problems. You can ha- I'm not sure if you guys have played before, but it's fun the first time you play. It's uh, the rules are super easy to understand. Uh, it doesn't take as much running at all. And like it, that's why it's growing so fast. Like they get the same, they got the same pandemic boost that we did. And I think they they, they advertised that this year they were going to hit 5 million uh, players in the United States alone. I think that's probably higher. I think that's probably what we're at worldwide, like five to 10 million. And that, and like, when you say like how many people are playing, is that an active user? As far as, like, people are addicted to our sport, like, hardcore. And I think we have a lot of active users, at least, like, millions of them playing once or twice a week. But where we kill Pickleball is our views. Like, Pickleball is on YouTube just like we are. They're not getting hundreds of thousands of views. Sometimes Mess is cracking a million, routinely doing 250,000, 400,000. Their purses are not close to what we're doing. We're constantly breaking six figures. But what they have is that a lot of people that are in positions of power in the business world are picking up pickleball. So chief marketing officers and CEOs that used to play tennis, maybe they got injured, that uh, are, are getting into it. So like a, a lot of like famous people in the sports world, you know, or entertainment, are getting into pickleball. So I think it's getting a lot of earned media. Like LeBron James buys a team, Mark Cuban buys a team. And uh, bigger brands are getting into it simply because uh, they play. Like most of the deals that we've done in disc golf for non-endemic sponsors were because someone in the company played disc golf. Like it it usually takes, you know, someone on the inside. Whereas pickleball now, a lot of people are playing pickleball that are 52 years old that are chief marketing officers. And they say, hey, I'm going to support the sport that I really like. Uh, And their challenges filming are I mean, we have to be the hardest sport in the world after, like, besides auto racing to film. Um, And Pickleball is just a box, right? It's just a box. Um, But, yeah, I I follow them a lot. Their growth has been awesome. Uh, Kudos to them. Uh, We're trying to chase them down. I will tell you, like, I saw their partnership deck for 2022, and they they claimed to have, like, 35 million Facebook impressions, and we had 350 million. So we outperformed them on social at least one... By a factor of ten.
0: I'll be sorry. This up. I'm sorry, I went like to pickle my right. like pickleball, soapbox, and I love pickleball. No, like no, it's... no, that's fine. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I remember Trent. I don't know if you've ever really played it before, but I, uh, I brought, I brought Trent out to the, to the course and just smacked him around for twenty minutes. Oh, come on. Nice. Hey, it was, hey, hey. was kind of close. The first game was the first game was <laughs> close, and then it was a beatdown. So I challenge any, <laughs> any disc golfer out there. Let's do an interview while we play pickleball if you want. Uh, cause, uh, you know, maybe you'll see an upset happen, but I I think that's really interesting that, you know, pickleball is growing. Disc golf is growing. It's good to hear that disc golf is kind of on that same level. And it's easy to see pickleball grow because like you said, LeBron, Mark Cuban, all these other big wigs come in, they just throw a ton of money at it. Right. So how does disc golf kind of get to that point where they're able to get more money in the door how are they able to get on cbs more often how are they able to get on espn because correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think there was anything on those major networks in 2022 correct
1: uh, we're going to be on espn this month okay, okay. great basically uh, a modified episode i shouldn't be breaking this news but oh. in all likelihood a modified episode of on tour will be on espn 2 uh before the holidays so uh here's the thing those kind of programs cost a lot of money to like put together the package like it it's not like it's not our core competency like we're not usually doing documentary style and like the tour championship narrative on ESPN2 the last two years has been a combination of both cuz you can't just put disc golf on ESPN2 and see someone clicking through and know what they're doing so you have to do like disc golf 101 the background of the players it's like a combination of like, you know, when you, you know, how the Olympics is like 15 minutes of storytelling with 10 seconds of, of, of a race. So it's like kind of that hybrid. Um, and we just have to look at where do we want to invest our money? And a lot of times it's just like making the, making DGN better may, might be a better fit. So I think like the growth challenges, I think will just happen incrementally. And I know that's maybe not the answer that everyone wants to hear, but if we just keep chipping away and growing, you know, we, I mean, we've been growing insane because of the pandemic, but the sport has been growing for 15 to 20% a year in the first 40 years of existence. The pandemic probably was a 200% accelerant. And we're hopefully this year we return back to that 20%. Sign me up for 20% for the rest of my life, right? And then hopefully I, I think the next, uh, I think it would help though if we do get more famous people coming into play the sport, which is happening. All the time. Um, it's typically not maybe your A list or all star, uh, but like, you know, Aaron Rodgers plays disc golf, Bubba Washington plays disc golf. You know, we're trying to develop um a celebrity am that we feature in the winter in a warm climate area where we can bring in some of these people. I would love to sign uh I think there's definitely some partners out there, uh or future partners that we could get that'll come into the sport. You know, everyone always talks about Nike. You know, Nike instantly. Nike old. Nike could make this tomorrow, right? They have they have the machines, and I think of a major outdoor brands, uh, not just them, but you know, Nike, Adidas, if they decide to come into disc golf, that would also be an accelerant to disc golf, right? It would be a big boom. So something like that. But just honestly, keeping doing what we're doing, I think I think is working. You know, this this the, the combination of the grassroots sports plus our plus you know, us and our media and our media partners, which includes all the brands and seeking other opportunities with uh, media distribution, which we are doing like significantly it, uh, but it's just like, we're a younger sport and younger people are watching YouTube now and not traditional television. And like our YouTube numbers are as high as a lot of people's Nielsen numbers on Tuesday night, you know, where we're delivering the world's did 125,000 views. Uh, here's a fun fact worlds this year had 50,000 peak concurrent viewers. The live golf tour had 60,000 that same day. So they were only ahead of us by 20% are a sport that has significantly more players, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's like one, one perfect solution. I think it's just like everyone rowing in the same direction and looking for opportunities. I actually I can't say that one. <laughs> uh, there's a couple other things that would accelerate the sport, like just getting more eyeballs. Like if we were ever to get on um, a gambling platform, right? Because so if all of a sudden there were odds makers, you know, if, if we're on FanDuel or DraftKings,
0: Whoa! 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 I have a problem. Okay, do not put this golf on FanDuel, and DraftKings. I am begging. Here's the people. deal. I will those broke.
1: Those organize yeah, but those platforms can do it without our partnership, right? They don't need us. To, um, no, I
0: agreed. I would love to see. Honestly, like I say that as a joke.
1: Oh, I thought you were like had like a a philosophical a disagree. With gambling? No, I'm like,
0: God, no. God, let me make this very clear. I am all for sports gambling. I have not taken a day off since Laura Kelly has made it legal, okay? <laughs> I am all for it. Having a tough night tonight, okay? Uh, Anthony Davis getting hurt in the – getting hurt. Leaving the game eight minutes in with flu-like symptoms. Tough night tonight. But we've literally – we had a bonus episode about this, right, Trent? Right. If
1: Vandal, oh, cool. DraftKings,
0: MGMCs, there's all the – if they could if they could come in right if we could get a partnership i say we as in you the disc golf pro tour can get a partnership with them and i look at what they do for regular golf right you've got Who's gonna win the tournament? Who's gonna get top three? Who's gonna get in the top ten? You've got futures, right? I'll pull on to F one here. You've got who's gonna win the championship? Who's gonna win the constructors championship, right? You take that over to disc golf, okay? Who's winning the OTB Open this weekend? Who's getting in the top ten? Who's going to win the Pro Tour Championship? Who's winning worlds? Like they're and You're just scraping the surface kinds. too. Who's gonna have exactly. the most birdies? You can get into prop bets, right? Who's yeah. having the most birdies? The prop bets are infinite. What is uh uh you take uh let's take talk about that guy I started the episode off with Paul Macbeth is he gonna have a uh you could set his line at minus eight and a half, down. right is he gonna yep. have a nine down is he gonna have you know you could do that with so many different people which in turn I cannot see how that's not profitable for both people there because it's not like football where one team wins or one team loses right you can have a lot of losers in there. But you can also have some winners, and it would be so much fun. It would be it would make more people buy DGN. I guarantee it. I know would that. actively <laughs> buy DGN, pay for it every week, because I would be tapped into what's going on right now.
1: Yeah, it would increase our watch time. It would increase our, our subscriber base. It, uh, it. We've we've taken the we're we're swimming in these waters now, and uh, as you might imagine, in order to get on the sports book, there are just. A bunch of different processes that you have to go through, um, with like data integrity, integrity with the athletes, right? Like, yeah, uh, exactly. unfortunately, actually,
2: like look through their bag and all that. Probably, I'm, I'm assuming. Make sure,
1: uh, and then like you know, we're largely we're we're all self officiated, like we're self officiated sports. You know, maybe that has to change. Um, spotters, like tournament directors, it's it's not as simple as you think. It's a very mature process, uh, but. You know, listen. Ultimate frisbee is on disc golf. Slap. I mean, uh, on gambling. Slap fighting is on gambling. Mini golf is on gambling. We're going to get there. It's just a matter of time. It's going to take a minute. We're gonna, but we're gonna solve the problems. And, you know, that's. I think, it, you know, if we're going to think one thing that will be that could really help us go mainstream, that's one of. Them.
0: So many more people would care about what's going on. And Trent, can I can I bring up the Formula One piece now? Hey, is this a, is this allowed? Go ahead and. say. Okay, so I've been, so I've been talking about this on the podcast many times, and I've I literally tell Trenton about this probably three times a week. I think, please correct me if I'm wrong. I think something that would make the pro tour more engaging, uh, more people watching, is having more of an impact on the pro tour champion, as well as maybe like a manufacturer's. Championship, right? I'm gonna pull on F1 again here because they have the drivers championship and a manufacturer's championship. So Lewis Hamilton for Mercedes, he can win the drivers, but let's say Red Bull wins the manufacturers. There's so much going on throughout the year. And so I think, and please challenge me back on this idea. I think that if there was a system where let's say the top 50 guys and gals, maybe it's a different number for each division, they get a certain amount of points. Everyone outside of the cut doesn't get points. And then those points accrue at each event. And at the end, you have the tour champion along with the pro tour championship tournament. So that way, there's more of a hey, yes, you won, you didn't win worlds this year, but you were the pro tour champion. Like that has a little bit more weight to it because I don't think disc golf is in a good place when the only thing we care about is the world championship, USDGC. It should matter that you won the Pro Tour Championship. It should matter more to the general public that this person got the most amount of points. Look at Kristen. Killed it with points and didn't even have to go to all the events. That should matter more. We should be talking about that just as equally as we're talking about the World Championship. Please, I wish, me I wish I wish everyone thoughts. felt
1: that way. You can't make up history; you have to live through it, right? So the, the the pro tour is only since 2016. The World Championship goes back to 82, 83, and I think the World Championship is kind of funny because we all just have faith that that tournament means the most, right? There's nothing. But it's just, we just all buy into it. It's not, it's, it's fabricated. The, uh, the only thing that makes it such is because everyone agrees that that's the world's, I think the only thing that separates worlds from the other events is one extra day. It's a five-day tournament versus, uh, we have a bunch of four-day tournaments, um, and the purse size, but it's literally the PDGA says we've selected this location for worlds and therefore it's the worlds and the players buy into it. The fans buy into it. I think. Uh, I use, I ran marathon, New York city marathons, probably the biggest, most important win in the United States, but the Boston marathons, the most prestigious, that's the USDDC. Right. But that tournament's been around now since 1998, 99. And those tournaments have so many moments, right. That have been, uh, immortalized that counts. Right. So like, while I think like the pro tour point series and our tour championship selfishly should be held to a higher standard we just don't have the history yet right and i think yet our purse is the biggest right and but we just you know, we can't go back and say like six-time world champion paul Macbeth. and also honestly the tour championship is a is a unique format right it's it's not it's a hybrid stroke play match play i kind of love it because the drama as it unfolds coming down is, is amazing and people having to like throw in to make it to the next level but I think once you, once you see, that's why honestly we've had we've come up with like silver events having fifty percent of the points, elite having you know one hundred percent, elite plus getting a boost. The playoff events like we're that, that's why we've, we've come up with that new plan is we're trying to create the drama as you're coming down the funnel at the end to get into the tour championship. So the players desperately want to make it because I mean I'm not sure if you guys heard uh, Brody Smith and uh, Thomas. Got eliminated in the first round of the tour championship, and it was their highest payout they've had in their career. Like, so, like, we have a lot of money, um, but I just think it's gonna take time and for us to just keep kicking ass constantly. But I, Quentin, I, totally on board with you, uh, I agree with you 100%. It's just gonna take uh, more storytelling, you know, cause I, I look at like that's our version of the FedEx Cup in golf, right? Is like the FedEx Point Series constantly the points updates and i'm trying to sell that as a, a season-long sponsorship this year i'd love it for it to be the Barbersall, you know point series for the whole year that would be fantastic and but it's just going to take time but you're right i agree get ready for the greatest roast of
2: all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Yeah, that's uh, something we kind of talked about. Like, uh, Quentin and I work at the same place. We had lunch together today. We were trying to kind of hash out exactly what we wanted to discuss. But, yeah, that was just – I mean, we both are in agreement, as you could tell. The F1 point series or just in general. But my thought was, like, how in the world can the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship Series, like, absorb the World Championship or take – like, promote – Their points count towards ours. Right. But, like, I'm thinking, like, like, to the general public, how can – Tour Championship mean more, right? Because everyone sees World Champion, like it's one tournament, like you said, not everyone realizes that that's new to the sport especially. But like, how do how do how how does the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship absorb the importance of the World Championship? And I think you're right. I didn't even think about it, but it's. I think it is just going to take time. Because like you said, it hasn't been long enough. Golf's been around for eons and we've been around for 40 plus years. So, or Disc Golf's been around for 40 plus years. So, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to it and I would love... I would love for the uh, one tournament not to matter
1: as much. Like, I get why it matters just because of the history, but... Right. I mean, Ricky has the same opinion as us, right? I'm not sure if you saw his takes. He's like, I was the best player of the year. He won the most points. He won the Tour Championship. He won four events. And uh, I think he's also a little bit pissed that he just hasn't won Worlds in several years. And Paul wins Worlds, and everyone thinks Paul's the best player. And Rick's like, I'm out here doing it more often, performing better, and yet... Why am I? Why is my name not held in the same lights? I think it is personally. Um, so yeah, he agrees with us too. <laughs> Unfor- I, I I love that Kristen won everything. So for her, it was like, yeah, she's the best. Uh,
0: it right is now, one of those things. W- yes, yes, fair. It is one of those things where I mean, it probably takes people like you and I, right, who have who have been lucky enough to build a platform to really push a hey, the pro tour matters. The pro tour championship winner matters the world championships just a tournament uh which i mean at the end of the day it is Uh, I know Horatio and I have talked about this. You and I have talked about this. Many other disc golfers have talked about this. So maybe it does come down and a little bit of that burden comes back onto ourselves. And I know this year that's definitely going to be a factor for us because a lull in F1 this year, Max Verstappen, absolutely walked away with the championship. There were still five races left and it didn't matter where the pro to it. It still does matter because Mm -hmm. you do have that final event where, yeah, sure, you get the advantage of, okay, you don't have to play the first two rounds. But you once you play that first round, if you're in the top four, you got to go because you got to get into the final four. And so it, it builds more drama. I, I really love the steps that the Disc Golf Pro Tour is taking. So I want to leave on this final question for this episode. And guys and gals, if you are enjoying this content, I know I am. I know Trent is. If you're enjoying this, please hit the subscribe button right now so you never miss another episode. Like this thing up on YouTube. Share it with your friends. Share it with the Facebook warriors out there on on the disc golf scene for Facebook. But what would you say is the biggest challenge and biggest opportunity that the Disc Golf Pro Tour has in front of
1: it? Going back to that course argument is like how do we we find properties where we can scale significantly on site to get thousands and thousands of spectators – so those spectators can see the beautiful shots that these pros are throwing, uh, whilst still preserving the sport's history of being a wooded sport um, and finding those properties that have all the resources. And to me, the answer is to build it, right? It's like, if you build it, they will come, uh, but that's gonna take you know, millions and millions of dollars. And then I think our, one of the challenges that we have, and I think Jeff would agree with me, is how to manage our, our growth. How do we manage our scale? It's like we've gone from in the last five years two to six, to twelve to twenty to forty, and we forecast over fifty employees this year. And it's like, you know, we're just coming out of startup mode because I think this is only the third year of the tour under Jeff's lead or fourth year of the tour under Jeff's leadership. It's like, how do you budget for growth while still preserving cash flow, right? To make sure your your P and L looks juicy and your balance sheet and like, how do you manage that? while still wanting to do so many awesome things. Because listen, I, I want to like, I listen to the upshot all the time. And Charlie and Josh have these wonderful ideas for the tour all the time. And I'm like, yeah, that's another million dollars. That's another million dollars. It's like, where do we find it? So it's like managing, growing our revenue in a sustainable way. So we keep growing at a, at a decent clip without getting out of control. That to me is like, a, I know that's not a very sexy challenge. Um, and then opportunity, I would say, non-endemic partnerships. So outside the sports sponsors, I'm gonna give you more than one. Um, wagering and increasing our, uh, <laughs> you scared me, Quentin, for a second. I thought you was like, don't do that. I was like, oh no, no he's got, like, big he's got like a philosophical <laughs> big difference against gambling. Fan. Uh, and then, yeah, just increasing – we need more earned media, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, we need more – I'm not sure if – that means all the media you get that you don't pay for. We need more publicity. Mm-hmm. We need Plus. more – we need Paul Macbeth on, on – I'm on, 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 on putting myself, like, in my age bracket. We need Paul Macbeth on a late-night TV putting in front of an audience. We need to be in good morning America. Yeah. We need uh, cross promotional opportunities with Cornhole because Cornhole has this dials Like they're like everyone can identify what Cornhole is. They're all over the news. Yeah, I would say those things. We need more people with reach seeing these people throw the disc because it's truly magnificent. Like it's remarkable. Like their percentage of putting and how far they can throw and how far they can throw accurately is is, is awesome. And we just need more eyeballs on it and that's just good again, it's just gonna take time and chipping away. I know I
2: know you're trying to wrap this up, but that just made me think, like, I know Ricky and Paul both threw a first pitch this year, and if too bad there wasn't like a, a safe spot where they could have stood behind home plate and just launched a nuke or launched a raider or whatever out over the
1: like throw it out of the stadium and everyone would just be like, Oh my gosh, what is We've had I agree. Uh it's it's probably, I mean, obviously, like when you buy a Major League Baseball ticket, like you pretty much sign away your life, right? No matter what happens, you can't see the team. But um, I'm not sure if a disc would qualify. But, yeah, I would love to see, because people at the field would know what a home run looks like. It's anywhere between, what, 320 feet to 550 feet. And then they could out, they could out throw that, right? Like, <laughs> that would be rad. Uh, but I would say more moments like that would help. Yeah, yeah just keep, keep chugging along, more things like that
0: hey everyone if you're enjoying this episode join us over on our patreon patreon.com backslash clankers we're going to have a bonus episode featuring sean as well we're going to go another 10 to 15 minutes discuss about more of these topics you're not going to want to miss that so make sure you head over to patreon.com backslash chain clankers and sean before we get out of here where can people continue to connect with you maybe we have some sponsors who want to talk to you or just continue to follow your own disc golf journey where can people do that at
1: the uh, easiest way is to email me, it's sean, S-E-A-N, at D-G-P-T, golf, pro tour, dot com. Uh, my name is, my, my contact information is purposely very easy to find on the internet. Uh, you can hit me up on LinkedIn, I'm responsive there. Um, my phone number is very easy to find because I've been a tournament director so many times, so unfortunately it's on BDGA quite often. But yeah, I'd love to hear from anyone. Please reach out.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Sean, and we will see you guys next week.